Peace and mercy to you from God our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As many of you well know, Don was a man of great faith. And he was one that wanted his children, grandchildren, his friends, all of his family to know of Christ. To know the faith. To be in the faith. To celebrate the faith. Because he knew, as it says in John 3, 16. How many of you, most of you should be able to say that. Actually, let's see. How many of you could say that without me saying it? For God loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now I realize we, there's a few different variations in our translations that we memorized. But it continues, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus says that because the reality is, is that to send his son into the world to condemn the world is what is deserved. That is what we should expect if God were to enter into the world. Because going all the way back to Genesis 1, you read that God created the heavens and the earth, and it was very good. And you only have to go two chapters to find it goes bad. Adam and Eve were given that rule, do not partake of that fruit. But they did. And on account of that, we are dust and to dust we shall return. That's why we're here. Began with that one moment. You, when you grow up and you go to Sunday school and you hear about that story of Adam and Eve, you just think, oh, that's a cute little story. No, that's our ancestors. What they did has brought the consequences that we deal with to this very day. If it weren't for that, we would not be here. Don would not be in that casket. He would not have to have suffered the many months, the, many, the last couple years. We would have no need for hospitals. We would have no need for nursing homes or hospice care or any of that sort. 
That's what sin brought into the world. Sin is not a small matter. And before we ever get into this idea that, you know, oh boy, we're just helpless victims. We didn't do what Adam and Eve did. Why should we suffer for what they did? We are willing victims. We have inherited their sin. We are born dead in our sins and trespasses. We are by nature children of wrath. But when in our lives, we sin willingly. We all know those days where we stand, we have those moments where we know what we're supposed to do, we know what we're not supposed to do, and we do it anyways. We say, ah, it's just one little thing. We'll even use God's forgiveness as an excuse to do it. Say, well, God's going to forgive me, so I could just do this. Who cares? But as it said, this is what the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 3. He says, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. He says again a little bit later that all have sinned and fall short to the glory of God. He didn't say some. He didn't say just that one guy that you can't stand. He says all. That includes me. That includes you. All of us are sinners. And that's the reason why we have death. That's the reason why in our communities we've had so much grief in the last few days. On Tuesday, a person who Don would frequently ask about, Fritz's funeral will be here to further show the death in this world. But there's more beyond that. What happens to us when we die? We all face death. It's a 100% human epidemic. Every single person, well, except for two in the Bible, but with the exception of those two, with the exception of Elijah and Enoch, don't hold your breath and think that you're going to be like those two. With the exception of them, all have died. We don't know when it's going to happen, where it's going to happen, how it's going to happen. People could die when they're young. We could die when we're old. We don't know when it's going to happen. Which is why our faith in God is so incredibly precious. Because when we face that death, where are we destined for? Based upon our works, based upon our goodness, it doesn't look good. We are destined for the place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. We are destined for hell. Yes, a real place. Thing we don't want a lot of, we don't want to talk about it, we don't want to think about it a lot, but it's real. 
It is where we deserve based upon our works, based upon our sinfulness. James says that if you have kept the entire law except once, you're guilty of it all. That means if by chance you have only, the only sin you have ever committed is that you have told a little white lie. So like somebody asks, do I look, how do I look in this sweater? And you say, oh, you look wonderful even though you didn't like it. That is, an, that is all you need to condemn yourself. It's just that one sin. But if we're honest, we know it's much more than that. If you want to do a good checklist in the opening of our hymnal, you have Luther's small catechism. You could go through the Ten Commandments and you'll find how we slip up in all of them. And that is what destines us for prison. The prison of hell destines us for torment. A place where there isn't music, where there isn't joy, your thirst is not quenched. Where you are so thirsty, so desperate that you want just a little drop would be enough. But you see, that's where that phrase, that verse again, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. See, while you were still, we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were completely and utterly helpless, Christ died for you. His blood was shed on the cross. And he covered all the sin with which you have ever committed. See, pastors, we wear these little garments. And underneath, I wear the black. And Pastor Vogel, you can see, he, you can see the black at the moment. Sorry to use you as an example at the moment. But um, the black. It's not to show that the pastor is a great, awesome guy. And He's so incredibly awesome, so much better than everyone else. The black is to let you know that the pastor is a dirty, rotten, no good sinner deserving of death and hell. That's what the black represents. But in the blood of Christ, through the waters of baptism, we receive a new nature. You heard that from Romans 6 in the, in the liturgy a little bit ago. That you not know that all of you who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death. One of the things I've liked at our, all, of our con, all three congregations I serve, we have a crucifix in all of our churches and I love it. Because right there you have a visible reminder that that is what happens in baptism. You are united to that cross. In baptism, you are crucified with Jesus. And your sin is put to death. And you are clothed with a robe of righteousness. That's what you heard in Revelation 7. 
when dawn breathes his last breath on Tuesday morning, he breathes his first breath in heaven, wearing a robe of righteousness. So you heard, you ever heard that hymn? Behold a host arrayed in white with thousand snow-clad mountains bright. You know that one? When dawn died, he became a member of that host. He came out of the great tribulation of this world. The robe that I'm wearing right now is a reminder of the robe that you received in your baptism. It is a preview of coming attractions. That one day you will be wearing a robe of righteousness that was made white in the blood of the Lamb. In a place where there is no hunger, no thirst, no pain. He's strong again. He could sing again. That was guaranteed in Christ. In Christ alone that comes. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. There is no salvation under heaven or on earth. There's no name, I should say, under heaven and earth where you could find salvation but Jesus. And see, one of the things that Don wanted was his children, his grandchildren, his family, friends, attending church. And it's a good reason. I know we have busy lives and we have all the reasons that we come up with that we can't make it. I can't help but I always I think of that parable of the, the wedding banquet. And Jesus sends out, says the master sends out all these serpents, these servants to bring people into the feast. And they all come up with excuses to why they can't come. Now there are some legitimate excuses like you're sick, you're physically not able to make it. Maybe the weather's really, really awful, or maybe you're in a part of the world where there really is no churches around. Northwest Iowa, you don't have to worry about not finding churches. But assuming that's not your situation, there is no excuse that is good. Again, that cross stands up in the middle to remind you the cost to have, a divine, to, have to gather for worship. It was, the cost is not what is on the church budget. The cost is the blood of Jesus. The creator of the world purchased you, purchased your right to receive this service, to receive the Lord's Supper, to hear his word, to call to mind your baptism. The price was more than anything in this whole world could ever pay. You could take all the money, all the, all the houses, all the cars, pull everything you have in this whole world and put it into a lump sum and it still will not be enough to pay for what happens every Sunday morning or Saturday night in our case. The only thing that could pay for it was the blood of Jesus. And that is where you receive life. And here's a really cool thing. 
In Hebrews 12, it talks about coming to Mount Zion, which works well because this church is called Zion, to the innumerable and feastal gathering. It's, ref- it's referenced in our liturgy when you say, therefore with angels and archangels, with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name evermore, praising you in singing. If you come, were to come to church tonight, which I know, I understand if you don't, it's, there's a funeral this morning. But if you come to church tonight or tomorrow, when you take communion, you're communing with Don. You are united to him in the body and blood of Jesus. That's what Hebrews 12 is confessing. You come to the sprinkled blood, which speaks louder than the blood of Abel. That's what we mean when we say the communion of saints. When you hear, therefore, the angels and archangels, all the company of heaven, he's one of the company of heaven. And that was guaranteed, sealed by the blood of Jesus. Till that day comes when we all rise. Because yes, there's still more to come. Jesus is going to go into that, that cemetery. And he's just going to, stick, he's going to go walk through it and just say, wake up, get up. And everybody that believed will rise. Till that day, be in his word. Spend time with your Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keep in the one true faith to life everlasting. Amen. Please stand.